Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. But it starts with a mindset. We've been talking about kingdom mindset. And over the past few weeks, I've been talking to you about being a Christian leader, an ambassador in our in your community. And I've told you a few things. Last week, I talked to you about surrendering, total surrender. Christian leadership starts with total surrender. But I'm going to go one step further today and say what that really is saying is I'm going to exchange my terms for your terms, God. Oswald Chambers said, if you have only come as far as asking God for things, you have never come to the point of understanding the least bit of what surrender really means. You have become a Christian based on your own terms. And I bet if I went through the house, everybody can see a time in their life where you have been a Christian on your own terms. God, I'll do this for you if. God, I'll do this for you if. That's your own terms. That's your own terms. I want to, I want to encourage you today to exchange your terms for God's. Another way to think about this is lose, right? Exchanging your terms is when you lose your life for Jesus. Matthew 16, the 24th verse. We talked about this last week just a little bit. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. There he goes again. Lord, you don't make any sense there. How can I save myself by losing myself, right? He says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? How many people do we see right now trying to gain the whole world? They got a list to tell you who's the richest person. You know what I find about that list? A lot of that's air. That's not money they got in their actual pocket. That's value, what people think they're going to pay for their company. I'm like, I don't even understand that. I mean, if I find the right person, they'll pay me a million dollars for my house, even though it's not, it's not worth a million dollars. I just got to find that one person. I just got to find him. That don't mean my house is worth a million dollars. But that's how the world views things. It's all about the stuff. And God's saying it can't be about the stuff. It's got to be about the eternal. It's got to be about his kingdom, not our kingdom. Notice what he said there in verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do you understand that the idea of taking up your cross represents sacrifice, self-denial? They weren't going to put Jesus on that cross unless he allowed them to. He chose to sacrifice his life for you and me. So when he's talking about taking up your cross, you have to choose to sacrifice your life for him. Guess what? He's not asking you to do anything that he didn't already do. Even though it was a physical death, the full full story is spiritual. His death and resurrection represented something eternal for us. Going back again, verse 26 says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Lose. I told you last week, lose is from the Greek apolemy. It's a verb meaning we got to do something about it, right? It's an action. It means to destroy, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish, to put an end to, to ruin. 
That's what Jesus is telling us here. When we lose our life, it's not like you lost your keys and you're looking for it trying to find it. He's saying totally get rid of it. Totally get rid of it. To ruin that old self. Be dead to it. Jim Elliott said it this way. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of possessions. no amount of stuff that you can give to gain eternal life. To gain salvation. Another way to say it is we have to sacrifice our ambitions for Christ's ambitions for us. We need to sacrifice our ambitions for Christ's ambitions for us. That word sacrifice means an act of offering to a deity something precious. Is your life precious? It should be. Should be. Sometimes we, we see people or maybe ourselves go through depression and we go through things that tell ourselves that we're not valuable and that's a lie of the enemy. Your life is precious. That's why God wanted to deal with that loneliness stuff, because that loneliness can lead to depression, which is a, a, a false identity. It's wrong. It's that identity that says, I'm not worth anything. No, 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 no. You're very precious to the Lord. You're so precious, He died for you. He died for me. He didn't do that just for one group. He did it for each one of us. So you are precious. Therefore, when you sacrifice, you're offering something precious to a deity, and in our case, to the God, to the one and only God, our Savior. Sacrifice is destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. Something given up or lost. That's what sacrifice is. You know where we see this in the New Testament? We see this with Peter and Andrew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, say immediately, immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Immediately, without an interval of time, straightway. Now, they had been through some stuff. So when God made himself real to them, it was an immediate understanding. So much so that they immediately followed him. I, I did quit my job and go into the ministry, but it was not immediately. I, I prayed about it for a long time. And I asked the Lord multiple times, even though I knew I had heard him or I felt like I had heard him, and asked for confirmation. And he was faithful and just, and he gave me that confirmation. And, and I did do what he asked me to do, and he has not let me down. He has been very faithful and taking care of me. But Andrew and Peter were looking for something. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, they found what they'd been looking for. And they didn't have any more questions. They didn't have any more questions. And so they immediately followed him. When we sacrifice our lives, we are trying to draw so close to the Lord that when he speaks to us, we immediately act. That's exchanging our terms for his. Not, Lord, I'll do this if. But, oh, Lord, you told me to do this. Let me go do it right now. Let me go do it right now. Have you ever been in that situation where the Lord spoke to you and you did respond immediately? 
And then when you got done with ministry or whatever he called you to do, you saw why you needed to do it right then. If you've not experienced that, I encourage you to continue to draw closer to the Lord so that you can experience that. Last Sunday, the Lord really moved on my heart to, to minister to somebody. And we're right, or it was two weeks ago when we had the fellowship. And we're sitting at table, we're eating, we're fellowshipping. I mean, technically that's rude for me to get up and leave. But I, I couldn't help it. The Lord was moving on my heart so strong, I could not just sit there anymore. And I'm grateful that I did, and I did immediately in that situation get up and go minister. And I'm thankful that I did. And I saw the Lord move, and it was, it was fantastic. I wish I could say that I do that every time. But I, I think that's the reason we were told in the Bible to daily take up our cross, right? Because it needs to be a reminder. We gotta, we gotta focus on the mission at hand. Exchanging our terms for God's is a constant daily thing we gotta remind ourselves of. We gotta, we gotta be reminded of that. I like in here, did you notice Jesus recruited from the sea? I don't know how many of you are in HR or applied for a job, but most of the time they're looking for some experience. And Jesus was recruiting people for the ministry. And these guys had a zero experience. He didn't go to the local synagogues. He didn't go to the local colleges and universities. He went to where the Father sent him, and he recruited fishermen. See, some of you are doubting that God has called you to leadership. Some of you are doubting that God has called you to represent him because you're saying, I don't have any experience. I don't know how to do that job. Neither did they. Neither did they. Have you ever heard this before? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. See, God's looking for you to be obedient, not to interrogate him. He's looking for you to be willing. And the only way we can do that is if we sacrifice our lives, if we lose our lives, if we exchange our terms for his. See, we see part of what's going on. He sees the whole thing. He sees the entire story. He sees the whole world. You know, we've got some possible answers that we can give God when he calls us because make no mistake, he has plans for you. He's called you. He set you apart. He wants you. He wants to use you. Here's one possible answer we just saw. Matthew 4.20, we said, Peter and Andrew immediately, they immediately went straightway. They sacrificed everything to follow Jesus. That's one possible answer that we can give to the Lord. Another possible answer we see in the example of the rich young ruler. In Mark, the 10th chapter, starting at verse 21, says, then Jesus, looking at him, talking about the rich young ruler, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I want to back up just a little bit because the rich young ruler, I believe, was sincere in his desire to follow Jesus. I think we are sincere in our desire to follow Jesus, but sometimes we are so in love with our possessions that we can't let go of them to follow Jesus. Back up just a little bit with me to verse 17 of that same book and chapter. This is the rich young ruler here. Now, as he was going out on the road, 
I'm sorry, now as he talked about Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. He was sincere. He was following what he knew to follow. He saw something in Jesus and wanted what Jesus was offering. He had the desire, but he was too attached to the wrong things. Too attached to the wrong things. I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Richard Stern says there's nothing wrong with having career ambitions, wanting a comfortable home, and wanting to enjoy our lives with friends and family. He, speaking of Jesus, only asks that we always put him first, above our other priorities, and that we make all we have and all we are available to him. Abraham is a perfect example of this. Abraham had desired a son for a very, very long time. Even decided to take matters into his own hands. And there's a whole different story that goes along with that. But God still blessed him with Isaac. And then God challenged him to take that very son that he had wanted so desperately for so long. And God said, I want you to offer him up to me as sacrifice. I don't know about you. I would love to say that I'm in that place that I could absolutely do what God asked me to do. But at this point in my life, I'm going to have to have a lot of credentials presented and a lot of confirmation for something like that. I don't read where Abraham balked at it. I mean, if he did, it's not recorded in the Bible that way. It's recorded that he understood it was uh, from the Lord and he went to do that. And if you don't know the story, God provided another sacrifice with a ram caught in the bushes there in the thicket. Again, that's not just happenstance. I mean, you happen to go up to sacrifice your son and just so happens there's a different sacrifice available waiting on you. Why? What was God doing? He was wanting to test Abraham to prove that Abraham had lost his entire life to the Lord. That he had sacrificed his entire life to the Lord. That no matter what he had as a possession, even something he had wanted for so long, that he was willing to give that son up if the Lord asked him to. So I ask you this today. Are you in that same position? Again, God is not saying, I'm not going to give you this house or this car or any of these possessions. That's not the message. The message is don't let the possessions rank higher than the Lord. If God asks you to give it away... You better give it away. You better give it away. Because if you don't allow God to have control over your entire life, the stuff you and I accumulate will eventually have control over us. I think I told you last year, I was watching one of the football games. I think it was Georgia playing and about the time the game started, I'm talking seconds before kickoff, the TV went out. The, the, we, we, I stream. So the streaming service shut down. I was like, I think it was electricity, wasn't it, Tammy? 
Electricity went out of the house. That's what it was. And I want you to know that moment, I don't believe I was fully sacrificed to God. Because I had a small conniption fit and let it be known I was not entirely happy with the electric company because I knew they did it on purpose. You know, things like this in our lives will happen and God will use them to help us understand. Maybe, maybe there are other things that have priority in my life. You know, let me just tell you, you're not the only person that has issues, right? It's one of the reasons I give you some of these stories to let you know that I go through these challenges as well. It's not about what we did in the past. It's about where we're headed in the future. See, God's calling for all of us. Again, exchanging our terms with his means sacrificing our entire life, every aspect of it. Every aspect of it. I want to read to you just a quick excerpt that I think will bring all of this together before I close. I've been reading this book, Lead Like It Matters. It's been a pretty good read. It's by Richard Stearns. I didn't know anything about Richard Stearns, even how to pronounce or spell his name when I first started this book. But I learned a little bit more about him, and i got to say that I'm very, very uh, encouraged by his story. You see, Richard Stearns... Uh, just to give you a little bit of information on this guy, he holds a bachelor's degree from Cornell University, pretty good university. Uh, he studied neurobiology. I had to look at the spelling of that to make sure I spelled it correctly, and this guy did it as a bachelor's degree. He also holds an MBA from the Wharton School for Business. If you don't know, that's, if not the best business school, it's, it's ranked up at the top. I think it's number one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he began his career at Gillette before becoming CEO for Parker Brothers at the age of 33. 33 years old. Now, if you read the story, God immediately started training him because two years after getting that awesome job, they sold the company and he was out of a job. <laughs> but he worked back through all that. He, he was a vice president for the Franklin Mint, and then God elevated him to president and CEO of Linux Collections, which I'm told is like uh, Fine China and different things like that. It's not a small company. It's pretty big. And so he was really, really excited about how God had brought him through everything and raised him up, and he got to be CEO of Linux for about 10 years, and the God came calling. God came calling. Let me just read to you an excerpt from this book that I think will bring everything I've been talking about together. Richard writes, I remember telling the recruiter emphatically that I was not qualified, not interested, and not available. World Vision, how many of you know what World Vision is or who they are? I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a minute. World Vision was one of the largest Christian ministries in the world, helping more than 100 million of the poorest people in the world every year with food, water, health, education, and economic opportunity. I knew absolutely nothing about global poverty, I had no nonprofit experience, no theological training, and no fundraising skills. Besides, I had a sizable mortgage to pay and five kids who needed orthodontics and a college education. Anybody in similar situations here? I had worked hard for decades to get to the top of my profession, and quitting my job to go work for a ministry would effectively be career suicide. I thought my arguments listing the reasons why World Vision wouldn't want me sounded pretty convincing. But midway through the call, that persistent recruiter changed tactics and asked me a bombshell of a question. Rich, are you willing to be open to God's will for your life? Okay, you really can't say no to that question, can you? 
But if you say yes, it takes you somewhere you don't want to go. You see, what he was really asking me was whether I had completely surrendered my life to Christ. Was I holding anything back? Was I ready to sacrifice to leave my nets to follow him? Wasn't I in the very same position as that rich young man who Jesus said lacked one thing? He did accept that position and spent 20 years as the president of World Vision. He retired in 2018, but during his time, World Vision's annual revenue grew to more than $1 billion and expanded its work serving children around the world. It is currently active in over 100 countries with total revenue, including grants, product, and foreign donations of $3.14 billion. It was started by Robert Pierce in 1950 as a service organization to provide care for children in Korea. There's so much in this, I hope you can see. God put on this fellow's name, Robert Pierce, that God put on his heart to take care of the children in Korea. And over the years, God had an even bigger plan and was grooming Richard Stearns to expand. Now, when you're talking about capitalism and businesses getting money, getting money, this organization's nonprofit, and all the money they get goes to help the children around the world. To me, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal charity and business to grow. What I'm telling you is we have got to exchange our terms for God's. We've got to sacrifice our ambitions for God's ambitions for us. Because you see, just like Richard Stearns, he didn't know the whole story. He didn't know what God had planned for him. But yet God not only provided for him, but then God provided for world vision and for lots of children around this world. So the choices you're making are not just affecting you and your immediate family. They're affecting other communities. And it takes complete surrender and complete trust in our God to be able to do what He's called you to do. He's training you. He has plans for you. And I don't care what age you are. You see, just like Richard Stearns, God transitioned him to different positions because all along the way he was preparing him for world vision. And guess what? Now he's written a book. Now he's doing some speaking engagements. He's not done. He's just in another season of his life. And in each season, he has to trust just like you and I have to trust that God knows best for each one of us. So as we transition through the different seasons of our lives, God's not done with us. But we have to seek him. We have to fully surrender. We have to sacrifice our ambitions for his ambitions for us. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. 
expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.